0: Going from somebody posting on a message board to working for an NFL franchise? What? Welcome to the Joyous Expansion Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Dupree, scouring the globe to bring you stories of courage, passion, and resilience. If I could sum up this podcast into one word, I would use empathy. Now let's get inspired. Welcome to the Joy's Expansion Podcast. I am your host once again, Brett Dupree, here to drop some spiritual, wonderful, exponentially, professionally, personal growth knowledge on you. Today I have a wonderful interview with Travis Wingfield, somebody who works for the Miami Dolphins, but first, I am going to be vulnerable about my life. Because if I can't expect me to be vulnerable, how can I expect my guest to be? A lot of times I talk about what's going on in my life, but since I am talking to Travis Wingfield, somebody you do not know, most likely, or actually probably do since you were probably listening to it for him, but I talk about me because, you know, I like people to know who I am. Who is the person behind the interviews? I think it's a good idea. What can I say? But I want to talk to you about my Miami Dolphin fandom. Yes, I've been a Miami Dolphin fan. Since at least 1986 when the Dolphins beat the Bears, that's what it solidified my position as a Dolphin fan. A lot of people ask me how somebody like yourself who grew up and lived in Washington became a Miami Dolphins fan. Was I a bandwagoner? Which, which is a question I get less and less because the last geez, like 20 or so years as a Dolphin fan, or at least 15 years of a Dolphin fan, have been brutal very brutal so I don't get that question anymore there's a time where the Dolphins rarely had a losing season was always in the playoff hunt and a lot of times in the Super Bowl hunt and had some disappointing losses but basically the story is my dad was a Cowboys fan or is a Cowboys fan my uncle's a Raiders fan and my grandpa was a Broncos fan and so the idea of Rooting for your local team just never entered my mind because I didn't know people really did that. I mean, yes, a couple of my friends were Seahawks fans, but since I moved around a lot, I didn't have like a solid friend base growing up. Every year I went to a new school, and so I didn't really have a close friend who was a Seahawk fan. So just being a fan of the local team, in fact, I always grew up kind of in the Seattle area, you know, at least 20 minutes away for most of my life it just never occurred to me. I thought people picked their teams and I like a lot of kids like dolphins because they're fascinating creatures. I liked how the colors were different. I thought was kind of important to me how they how they weren't same Z's or yellow because I was just not a fan of yellow and I loved Dan Marino and he was amazing. So when they beat the bears, I thought, wow, that took so much pride. I loved pride. I love the story of football. I used to watch NFL films all the time as a kid. That was my favorite. I would have loved the NFL Network as a child. I would have watched that all day. And I'm not joking. I would have. I mean, I would go to the library and there'd only be five books on football and I would get them and read them all, which was sad because growing up being a football fan is weird because just there wasn't this information, especially being out of the state that you live. I used to go to the library when I was in high school to read the week-old Miami Heralds that came on Sunday to get last week's football news of seeing how training camp went and stuff. So when the internet came around, that just changed everything. I mean, fans who were able to go to the training camps were able to write about their experiences. I did what everyone else did on the internet when it came out, is I joined chat rooms, and almost all the chat rooms I joined were about the Miami Dolphins. I actually started on the ESPN Sports chat room back when that existed, and it was ESPNSports.com, if I remember correctly, or ESPN.go.com, or maybe it's probably ESPN.aol.com. I used to chat on there all day during my work study at the college computer science lab. It's pretty much all I did during that time of just sitting there not really knowing as much as computers as everyone else who was there. I mean, anyone who is in IT knows that I'm just better at Googling than you are. But then I graduated from there to the Miami Sports Herald Talk, where I still am Facebook friends with a couple people who are from there. And from there, I went to finhaven.com, like so many other Dolphin fans. In fact, one thing Dolphins have a lot is puns. And Finhaven is where I noticed Travis. Wingfield, I think it was Aqua Forever, Aquamania, I think his name was, and he was a young kid, and interesting thing about him was I was used to being a young kid because I was a college kid chatting all day on the Miami Dolphin Herald board, and I was a jerk. I started this yearly thing where I called it the my manifesto, and I would go through each player and make snarky remarks about people I don't know. To the point where one of the player Con- Rob Conrad's father actually sent me a, like a note talking about what a jerk I'm being. I don't know why he did that because I'm just a random jerk who's like 27 at the time, maybe 26, even. You know, not an actual age of not being a jerk, especially online. I was just being snarky, really. I wasn't saying anything super bad, but so basically, yeah. This one reason I don't even want to say what name I use. Because even now I'm a super positive person in my normal life. I'm still kind of a jerk and snark. Well, I have a snarky sense of humor. And I utilize that on my now on thefins.com. And so, yeah, basically, like, my least productive times of my life when it comes to my job is around draft time and uh, the beginning of the season. Because I just want to read everything about the Miami Dolphins. I am obsessed. I am ridiculously obsessed. I get really into it. I'm the type of person who screams at the screen and don't care if they can't hear me. It's fun. One of the aspects of personal development allows me to enjoy the game in a different way because I recognize how dumb it is being a fan. I mean, yes, I'm cheering on other people who are doing things and I recognize how silly that entire process is. It's silly. But the thing is, it's okay if it's silly. There's a lot of things we like that are silly. Not everything has to make sense. Being a football fan does not make sense. And when you recognize the fact that you are doing that, it's just something for fun. And putting your emotional weight and pretty much day on whether some other person does well at throwing, kicking, or running a ball is silly. You're able to not allow it to hit yourself as hard. I'm able to enjoy it in a better way. It's like that Enlightenment saying that I've been saying over and over again. That before Enlightenment, carry water, sweep the floor. After Enlightenment, carry water, sweep the floor. So before personal development, before Enlightenment, cheer your football team, boo your football team. After Enlightenment, cheer your football team, boo your football team. Really the only difference is that now I'm able to kind of step, step back and recognize that no matter what energy I put into it, I'm never going to get it back in a way that really matters in life. And I can still enjoy it. I can still be obsessed with it. But it's not tied up to my core identity. I mean, it's still part of who I am and my identity. But when my team loses, I don't allow it to ruin my week. When my team sucks, I don't allow it to ruin my summer anymore. I'm able to enjoy being a fan of sports, even though it is the dumbest, silliest thing in the world, but it's super fun. I love everything about it. Yeah, so the person I'm, I'm going to talk about is I'm going to just give him a brief introduction of this is a little, probably a little longer, but a brief introduction of how I know him. He's somebody who started off as one of the young kids when I was finally becoming an old person, you know, going closer to my 30s. I was no longer one of the young people on the boards he was. And I just remember this young kid coming in and talking and he was passionate about the sport. But one thing that always stood out was his posts were super long, like a few other of the good posters. And then he started to break down film and put him in gifts, which was really cool. And watching him grow and starting to write articles, which was awesome. And then you then watching watching him grow as a person. He started his own podcast and then joined a podcast network and then continued to build and build and finally got a job on the Miami Dolphins. So when I started my podcast, once I heard he got on the Miami Dolphins, I definitely wanted to have him on to celebrate his story and to learn about how somebody who was at one point not that different than me, but did the extra steps in life and was able to do something that a lot of us on bulletin boards think that we would want to do When we first start off as teenagers and do that and become, I'm very, it's a fun interview. This is maybe a gift to myself, if you will. But it's super awesome. I hope you enjoy it. And I'm going to do my intro right now. Travis Wingfield is a podcast host, on-air talent, and writer for the MiamiDolphins.com. Growing up a diehard fan of the team, Travis attended Washington State University where he earned his bachelor's degree in digital technology and culture. As a former host of the Locked on Dolphins podcast, Travis established a brand and audience that consistently appears in the top 200 podcast charts. And now here is my interview with Travis Wingfield. Hello, Travis, and welcome to my podcast.
1: Hey, Brett, thanks for having me. It's been a long time coming. I'm glad to be joining you.
0: I am excited to have you on. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit
1: of who you are? So my name is Travis. I work for the Miami Dolphins, which is crazy to hear me say out loud still to this day. I pretty much tried to find my way into the football media landscape for the first 30 or so years of my life. Didn't really have much success with that, but eventually started finding niche projects to do and and got myself into this position, which I'm sure you and I will go over, Brett. So I work for the Dolphins, but I live out by where you are in Washington State. We are moving Later this month to South Florida to make that full time jump into that job, and I'm looking forward to that. I live at home now with my wife and my one month old daughter, so things are going pretty good for us out here despite all the chaos of 2020.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's been very excited. Something I don't talk about much on my my podcast because it's all about personal development in people's lives is that I am a gigantic dolphin fan. Watching. Travis go from somebody who was just like me, some idiot on a bulletin board, to talking to the Miami Dolphins has been a wild ride and been really fun cheering them along the way. So let's start at the beginning, back when you were just like me, a regular nobody talking about the Miami Dolphins on a bulletin board. You always wanted to get into, this was your dream was to get into sports broadcasting or something along those lines? It's a dream that I would
1: say was more of like a delayed dream or maybe one of those dreams that you just never really considered pursuing seriously. I mean, you mentioned, you know, being a nobody. I mean, I'm still a nobody. Let's be honest. No one knows who I am. <laughs> but as far as pursuing the actual dream itself, it was something that I always just thought was one of those things, like almost like an an athlete, you know, like you're not going to play professional football. Travis, you weigh 150 pounds, like you're not going to play football for a living. I just thought you didn't get yourself into that position. When I was 16 years old, I took my first ever gig, I guess if you want to call it. It wasn't paid, but I I got to write about the dolphins and that's what I loved to do. I was so fascinated by the game of football and I I loved the written word and storytelling. So I really wanted to get into it at that time. And that's when I did join those message boards that you and I were both so active on back in those days, Brett, when message boards were a little more popular than they are now. Took my first ever gig with, I think it was actually the Cider, which is a bit of irony because I don't have a good relationship with the Finnsider <laughs> right now. I think that's what it was back when I was 16 years old. And I'll never forget my first article writing about Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams, the two running backs that shared the backfield there in Miami. It's just kind of, I guess, progressed from there. And there was plenty of stops along the way. But yeah, back when I was in high school, that's I wanted to be in sports somehow. And the Dolphins were my favorite team. So that kind of narrowed the focus. But I don't think it was ever something I really thought could happen, you know?
0: You started this at 16 of writing. Did you go to college for writing at all or did you just keep on going? What was your path like?
1: So the problem with my adolescence, I suppose, was that I just didn't really have the motivation or the drive to really capitalize on what high school is. And so I didn't take my grades seriously. I didn't take education seriously. I went to a junior college after high school, but I never had any intentions of taking it seriously. And so after a semester or two, I dropped out and started working really low end jobs that just were taking me nowhere. At the time I was going into general studies, I, like I said, I had, I had no focus on what I wanted to do. Writing was something that I just did on the message boards in my spare time for fun. It's what I enjoyed to do. And we'll get there eventually, I suppose, here. But at that time, it wasn't really in my mind, no.
0: What was the next step? Because one thing I remember from the early days, one thing that generally set you apart from other people posting is you started to actually look at tape. You started to make little GIFs and you started to do those things. What got you into actually trying to break down the game of football? That started to come a
1: little bit later. I would say the next step was continuing on that message board with you, Brett. And remember those little badges we had where it was like premium member or columnist or draft guru. I was so intrigued by getting these online notes of like certification so to speak and i remember when they i can't remember if it was finheaven or the fins.com first said do you want to write for the front page and i was like wow this is you know this is my home this is like my sanctuary and now they want me to be like on the face of it i thought it was so cool and so i did that and i really started to focus my writing on being grammatically correct or at least <laughs> spelling words right and and not taking the you know shortcuts of text like you would with your buddies when you're texting on the phone i took it really seriously then but You mentioned getting into the film stuff. That didn't really start in earnest until 2016 when Sam from also the message boards, the host of the Perfectville podcast for the Miami Dolphins, a fan podcast. He had reached out to me about writing for his website in 2016. And that's kind of where the journey began. If you want me to go into the film stuff now or you want to continue on that path, I guess that's up to you.
0: Let's continue to up the path.
1: Yeah, it was 2016 when Sam reached out and said, hey, we're looking to get a written portion for Perfectville, the Welcome to Perfectville podcast. We want to have a website. And as you know now, Brett, how just almost... I guess psychopathic I am about how diligent and how much work I want to produce, I was the same way then. And so he asked me to write one article a week and that turned into five articles a week because I just loved doing it so much. And then from there, I started listening to their podcast and thought, you know, I've always been a big fan of like AM sports radio. And I lived in Seattle back when I was really into it, listened to Brock and Sock. And I listened to those three programs back to back to back every day at work. When I lived there, I kind of drew on that experience and talked to Sam and Chris, the host of the Perfectville podcast and thought, I could do this. It would be fun to do. And I think a new audio platform would be fun for me to do. And so I reached out to Kevin Dern, who also from the message board once again, and he agreed to do the podcast with me. And we started a podcast called The Finalysis, a horrible pun, I know. But we wanted to be different in the way that you podcasts tend to be a little more easygoing, lighthearted, and can be a little bit more entertaining. But we really wanted to bring that, but also focus on the details of football because we thought that that was a space that was lacking in podcast and sports podcast in particular. And so that vision really kind of sparked my Twitter presence, which at the time, I think I had 100 or 200 followers. And I saw that people were tweeting, but there's not really much of a film presence, a video presence where people can break down plays. And I'm actually looking at my Twitter deck right now, my tweet deck right now. I'm looking at two consecutive tweets where someone's breaking down video. So I don't know if it grew from there, like just in the general sphere. But at that time, nobody was doing it. And I knew that there was personally for me, I wanted to see it with my eyes and visualize it, but also hear someone talk about it and kind of get those two points of contact in terms of teaching me the game. And I was so intrigued by football and just 22 of the world's greatest athletes playing the biggest game of chess chess just just always has really brought my attention to the game and so those two things coming together and the pursuit of trying to get my name out there once I realized that podcasting was a thing and there were so many Dolphins podcasts and different Dolphins fans on Twitter that had these followings it just it all kind of at once hit me that I wanted to focus my attention on this potential career I guess hobby at the time now has turned career
0: there's something about, I wonder if the Dolphins just have more pun-based podcasts <laughs> <life all> <laughs> than any other team. I'm curious about that transition from kind of, sound like at the beginning you're kind of just coasting through life, not really putting a focus on it, but something about just working on this it really sounds like something really clicked. What clicked to make you want to really be diligent and work very hard on it? I think you
1: pretty much hit the nail on the head. And I think that passion is the only word that can really accurately describe it. And I think that's so important in life is just to, if you don't love what you do, Brett, how are you ever going to do the best job you can possibly do? Because, you know, you mentioned kind of coasting through life. I've had jobs that were, here's your... X amount of dollars per month and you can earn commissions on top of that. And that was always like kind of the grabber that brought you in was, oh, if I work this hard and I can see this through, and then three or four months into the job, you realize you hate doing it. So you're not motivated. If you're not you know motivated by money to do it, then you find yourself just kind of waffling and, and falling into this pattern of complacency. And I didn't want that for myself. And the older I got, the more I realized that my past, not transgressions, but past laziness, I suppose, really bred this life that I didn't want to live. I thought, if I'm going to make a change in my life, it's going to have to be something that I'm super passionate about. And so the writing aspect of things, like there was... I've probably conceived 25 novel ideas, Brett. I've probably conceived 25 script ideas or television shows. Like I always knew there was something creative and writing and something that could just really challenge my brain and kind of make me my own boss, I guess, type of job. And those things never came to fruition. And then the podcast came about. And so you marry this desire to be creative and this desire to put pen to paper, as it were, with this passion for the game of football. Those two things just collided and this light went off. This is what I'm supposed to be doing and not wasting my time doing restoration or working for a staffing agency or working in insurance, all these different jobs that I worked that just never, ever resonated with me. And the minute I realized what I wanted to do in football, it was, I mean, it was a hundred miles an hour, full steam ahead.
0: Things weren't going your way. Sometimes it happens as you pursue your passion. Was that passion what's really just kept you going?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's like anything. I, I would assume not having the knowledge of other industries, but this is a, you just go on Twitter right now and you can find people that are trying to crack into it. You mentioned all the podcast puns. There's got to be 50 Dolphins podcast out there that I've heard of even. And not, that's not the ones that are just kind of doing their own thing. You have to really kind of carve out this niche role in this capacity or this industry that makes you stand out. And I think the desire to do that and to really get the recognition that I thought that I deserved at the time and also that passion to just keep going because We can talk about it. There was countless letdowns along the way that I was just like, man, what am I doing? Because I was working jobs while I started this. And then at one point, I wasn't working and I was just focusing on that. And at that time, when I would face adversity, man, that's when times would get difficult sometimes. But yeah, the the passion was really what fueled me to just kind of persevere.
0: Are you willing to talk about one of those things that knocked you down and how you got yourself back up?
1: Yeah, certainly. It's actually kind of funny how full circle it comes because I was... Doing the podcast with what's called Locked On Dolphins, it's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and they have every sport, every team has a host. It's basically like a local podcast. The idea is to replace AM radio was kind of the mission statement. I loved that job. I love doing it at the same. It was a nice side hustle, if, if that's what we're going to call it. It wasn't something that would bring home family raising type of income or something that I could support myself on even for the rest of my life. It was just that at the time, I, I had time and a little bit of extra money to get me through that time so I could try it. And so I was always trying to extend myself to other opportunities. I applied for a assistant job to Andy Benoit of Sports Illustrated, who was really into the X's and O's. And I got myself up into this finalist stage of these like spreadsheets. He was having us break down. And and I thought I was going to get it and I got runner up and didn't get the job and I was like man that was my in that was my chance to really break into the industry and then about a year later my buddy Antoine who wrote for dolphinswire.com he was leaving that gig and he had recommended me to to take over for him, I took that to mean that I was going to get that job. And so I was talking to my wife about next steps, because if we're going to do a Dolphins website and a Dolphins podcast, and I want to continue to grow this, maybe it's time to think about relocating and get local so I can have more access to the team. And so these life changes were kind of starting to click in my head. And then last minute at the 25th hour, it turned out I didn't get the job. Once that happened, it was so... Difficult to pick myself up off the mat and say, you got to keep going. And I think one of the things that did keep me going was. I became so obsessed with the routine of it. you know, The routine of publishing a podcast and an article every day, Monday through Friday, because I have so many loyal people that have supported me on social media and fans of the podcast that write in and ask questions and retweet the podcast and all these things. It almost became like, I didn't want to let those people down. And so I found strength and courage in my support system, if that makes sense. Like I was able to really make myself overcome this adversity based upon what other people had done for me. Does that make sense? I guess I'm trying to articulate as best I can.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Having a good support system comes up over and over on my podcast on how people keep on going. This is just one thing that's curious for me as somebody who took a while getting used to listening to his own voice. How did you get through that? Did you always want to be an entertainer? How did you create your persona? What do you do to like pump yourself up? Editing, which I hate, but I still do because how do you get through that roadblock?
1: (laughs) The the voice thing is funny. Like, I still think my voice isn't made for radio or podcast, which I mean is hilarious to think about, but I pretty much didn't listen to myself at first there for a while. But after a while, it's, I mean, it's like anything else. I think once you do enough, you you get used to it. As you know, Brett, listen to the podcast on a regular basis. It is high octane, it is high energy. There's so many things I thought about when it came to. Being an on air personality, which, you know, I guess that's, that's what I am. You know, this podcast was supposed to be X's and O's and these kind of doldrums of here's a big lesson, you know, it's like a class. I can't present that in the same tone, the same monotone and expect to have people want to come back because no matter how good the information is, if you're not entertaining, then what good does it do? Like what you hear on the podcast is my personality and I saw so many different Ways that I guess you're supposed to approach it like here's how you're supposed to act in this situation or here is how you can get more followers or more listeners by doing this thing. And there were so many avenues and, and detours where I'm thinking, okay, if I, if I focus more on this, then I can grab that audience and bring them in the more I did it and the longer I did it, I realized if I'm not going to be genuine, if I'm not going to be myself, then there's no way that this can ever be sustainable because then you're just lying to yourself and you're lying to your audience. And so I thought super energetic. I completely rely on enthusiasm and I don't really take criticism all that well, or maybe negative feedback. And all these things that I, I had to kind of do some some introspective searching within myself to find out who I was and what it was that made me tick, made me really realize that if I'm not going to be myself on this podcast, it's not going to work. Everything you hear on Locked on Dolphins and now on the Drive Time podcast is genuine. Like That's 100% me. There's absolutely no fibbing, no filler. I might stretch the truth on a story or two just to give it some more life like a comedian would, right? But other than that, it's the genuine article. I didn't want to be this public-facing person. I guess that's kind of what the aim is to be in South Florida, at least locally, if I wasn't going to be myself. And so that was... I guess part of the entire introspective process was just be yourself, man. If they like you, they like you. If they don't, then that's fine too.
0: Let's get to the point where you start working for the Dolphins. Tell the story how you got that job. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So back in
1: 2018, they at least it became knowledge to me, I think it was the first year they did it. They used to have this thing called Web Weekend where they would invite different fan websites or I guess podcasts as it became more popular, different blogs and stuff like that to come down for a weekend. You got to like do a whole seminar and meet the other website guys and go to a game and cover a game in person there. They changed that a couple of years back to where you could get two games per site according or like if Depending on the website, you could get two games and two tickets to each game to cover a game professionally. And so for someone that, like you, Brett, grew up a, a diehard fan of the team, to have the idea that I can go to a game and cover it from the press box and go into the locker room and ask, at the time, Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill a question about the game, it was pretty surreal. And so they invited me down, did two of those games, made tons of connections, and that was very, very valuable as the networking and just people were saying, I'm a big fan of the podcast. It's cool that they got you down here. And, and again, that positive reinforcement was just so, so beneficial to me. And then last year, 2019, did the same thing. And then the real big turning point for me in my career, Brett, was last year's training camp. I must have made the decision six or seven times back and forth that I was going and that I wasn't going because I was going to foot my own airfare, my own lodging, rental car, all these things that I had to do to get to South Florida from Washington State, mind you, for 10, 12 days and go to practice every single day and cover these practices. Because the way I perceived it was I can bring to these training camp reports, which are people want them so much online on Twitter. And I think I can bring what I do on the podcast and the website to these To training camp. And so I'm going to take advantage of that and really get my name out there because this is when Dolphins fans, football fans are most intrigued, right? The start of the season, optimism is springing eternal, all that fun stuff. And so I thought, let's get down there. Let's cover it. And I finally made the decision, like, I have to go. I'm going to do it. If it sucks, it's going to suck. If not, great. I got down there and it's really funny. Like here, this is kind of a tangent, but the first night I got down there, my wife and I booked the Airbnb for let's say July 25th and I arrived the night of July 24th, but it was past midnight. And so it was technically July 25th. And I get to my room and it's a hotel, but it's an Airbnb within the hotel. And I get to my room and it's not cleaned. It's not, it hasn't been treated. And come to find out, I arrived one day too early. And I also found out that day that my I was going to school at the same time. I finished my four-year degree, actually, just recently. The person whose house I was staying in when I would go to school, he backed out. And so like I had all these things that were collapsing around me. And I thought, what? another one of those moments, like, what am I doing? Why am I down here, away from my wife, watching these football practices? Like, what is this going to benefit me? And so I get down there and it's a terrible start. But then the moment I get to practice the next morning, It's just like, okay, this is what I was supposed to be doing. So I go out there, I cover these 10 days worth of practices, and I actually got myself credentialed for the practices just by kind of getting my face there. And that got me access to players that got me so much notoriety on Twitter. I I was gaining hundreds and hundreds of followers every day and podcast downloads. And and Locked On Dolphins was the number one football podcast in the entire network. And it was just exploding in popularity. And I had sent an email earlier in the summer to one of the Dolphins people that works in communications and said, hey, like I see this not void, but this area of opportunity for the Dolphins to expand their media coverage internally. And I think that I could be a good asset for you. And I I laid out all these reasons and it just really approached it from the same way I approached my own podcast and my own website, just self-starter being persistent and really going after what you want. 100 miles an hour with no excuses. And if I'm, if I'm going to chase this dream, I'm going to do it all the way. And if I fail, I fail. So that was my approach for that. Eventually I get that email return. I get a phone call with someone that was important in the organization. When I come back to the games that I covered at the stadium in the press box a few months later, I got a chance to meet some of these people that I was talking to. And then we came back down for another game in December later that year, had breakfast with this very important person. And he sat down with me and said, so you ready to do this or what? And I was like, Oh, like i didn't know this was the actual like interview or like accepting of the job but back right around christmas time december i got that offer and it's been mind-blowing ever since
0: yeah congratulations i remember celebrating that on thefins.com. thank you was thank so cool you. what was it like that first interview with that first famous football player
1: well, luckily I had a chance to kind of warm up to it at first, you know, cause being down there for practice and, and the games earlier, they actually got me an exclusive interview with Devon Godshaw my first day at practice. And that was, you can hear it when I would post the videos or like if I would play the audio on the podcast, you could hear the stuttering of my questions or, or using kind of, I mean that's something that a new reporter will use. Kind of, you kind of had some, you know, good plays out there. You kind of did this and <laughs> you can just tell how nervous I was at first. So man, it took a long time. Like those first two games in 2018. The first game in the locker room, I was pretty standoffish, wasn't really aggressive in approaching interviews. The second game, the following Sunday, I was like, okay, I've, I've been here. I head in there and, and don't chicken out, basically. So I did that. But then we come back in 2019 and it's it, the whole process had to start over again. So I was nervous, not really aggressive. And, but just like anything else you do, man, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get, the more reps you get, the, it's just become second nature. But that first one, it was nerve wracking, especially when I got on the Dolphins network because I think it was Christian Wilkins. I told you I thrive on enthusiasm, right? So he answers the phone. They We got on this conference call on the, online and he pops up and I'm like, oh, there's Christian Wilkins. That's awesome. Like, uh, <laughs> I love that guy. And then he's like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, oh, he doesn't want to be here. You know, you start, all the self-doubt starts to creep in. But after like a question or two, he's his bubbly self once again. And I'm oh, I just was being too hard on myself.
0: So this is something I like to ask people who've made it somewhere. How do you deal with the fraud phenomenon? That idea of like, do I really deserve to be here?
1: (laughs) Oh, buddy, that is a can of worms. You mentioned like the football breakdowns. Told you I'm not a big guy whatsoever, not a football player. I I played. I think the last time I played football was in the eighth grade. So there is this misconception by people that think that if you didn't play the game to a certain point, you can't possibly have knowledge of the game. And so, you know, it's football is a complex game. You got 22 guys doing 22 jobs and, and moving in 22 directions. And so I'd watch these cutups. I had this idea in my mind that I knew what I was talking about. Then I would watch somebody else who I know knows a lot more than I do do it. And I'm like, man. I'm Am I an imposter here? Or am I actually like <laughs> making any sense when I do these? So it's something you think about all the time. And I, maybe it's just something that, that you become more and more comfortable with over time because it's still there, Brett. Like I, I still think about it. Why am I the lucky one that gets to be in this position? And, you know, why can't they just pick someone else? I mean, i thought about it, but I guess it's just something you kind of try to put in the back of your mind because you can't dwell on that kind of stuff. Because, you know, being a, a public facing figure, like we mentioned, you're going to get some feedback that you're not going to like and you're going to get some people that tell you you don't know what you're talking about. And if you let that really creep into your mind and, And kind of overwhelm you, then that's what's going to happen.
0: So, what's been your favorite? part about this job
1: definitely the access the access to the team and i'll be able to expand on that probably more once we actually if you know if we have football this year and if we when we finally get regular circumstances for media like i'm gonna have an office inside the building where the dolphins practice like if if i told my 16 year old self that i would be like no no that's that's not something that actually happens to people <laughs> you know so i definitely just being around the team and being at practice every day and going to every game and team hotel team charter it's just it's crazy to think about and i, I still haven't experienced it all the way, so I don't think I can properly appreciate it yet. But I plan to.
0: Awesome. Well, definitely should do something to celebrate you. It's a great accomplishment. There's a lot of people out there who want that, and you did it, man. That's awesome.
1: Thank you. It's it's it means a lot, especially from you know, like I said, the support system, all the people that at the fins and fin heaven that were you know always providing a platform for me to have these debates and to expand my knowledge. I mean, I talk about it on Twitter all the time. CK Parrot, you know, Chris Kaufman, he's, you know who he is. I mean, he, the guy's an absolute freaking whiz and he knows so much football. So to learn from guys like that and to just sharpen my writing skills, I mean, it wasn't even the classroom. Like it was a message board. I would learn and, and I would read off these people that did know more than I did. And I would learn how to write off that. And so it's one of those things where, you know, the village raised you, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Standing on the shoulders of giants.
1: Yes. yes.
0: CK Parrot. <laughs> We are coming towards the end of our time together. And one thing I like to ask my guests is do a one minute of motivation. You can imagine this as if you have a time machine and you're traveling back to your eight-year-old self. And you want to convey everything that eight-year-old self needs to know to live a happy, joy-filled life. But unfortunately, you have a minute until you're plopped back into the future. Or you can think of it as taking your life's message and condensing it down to a minute. So are you ready? Yes. Let's go.
1: Okay. So talking to my eight-year-old self, I would I would definitely insist on pursuing passion and finding something that means, means more to you than anything else in terms of what makes you happy and be self-fulfilling in that way and do things that make you happy and put yourself first because if you don't put the right emphasis on certain things you have to accomplish in your life, then you're not going to be able to make those next steps. And then one day you might realize like I did that you're living a life that you don't want to live. Every person I believe is capable of pursuing something that they have a talent in and achieving it if they are willing to do what it takes to do that. I think that if we have to identify that and then we have to make a plan, establish it, put it in place and then attack it relentlessly and be willing to work harder than everybody else. Be willing to put yourself out there and be willing to ask questions to people that you respect and have more knowledge of your field or of your study or whatever it might be. And just, I cannot put enough emphasis on relentlessly pursue your dreams and your hopes and your desires. And that's true of all walks of life, whether it's professionally or relationships and all these things you do. Just do it with passion, do it with excitement, be persistent, and love what you do.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I was super excited to have you on as I followed your career since you were, I think, 17 on the message (laughs) board. so (laughs) It is, and watching you grow through all these years has been a treat. So listening to your actual story has been awesome for me on how you were someone who started out as lazy, but finally one day really started putting the work in Once finding the passion and continuing to go through it, pushing through to a point of and taking the big leap of going to down to Miami when a lot of people probably wouldn't do that asking for that job, for your position. If you don't ask, the answer is no. And you asked and the answer turned out to be yes. And now you're on there. And that's just exciting to listen to. So thank you so much for sharing your inspirational story on my podcast. And thank you for your amazing Dolphin interviews. Hey, thanks for having me, Brett. I really appreciate it, man. Awesome. May your day be special. And there you have it, folks. That was my interview with Travis Wingfield. Wasn't that exciting? I know, this is my first time ever interviewing somebody who works for the Miami Dolphins, my favorite team of all time. I very much enjoyed listening to his inspiring story on how he worked very hard. I truly believe that success isn't guaranteed, no matter how talented or hard you work. But hard work is how you become successful. The only way to become successful is to push push at it, push at it, push at it, push at it, And then finally, hopefully something happens that gets you to that point of success. And hearing someone who started at Humble Beginnings work really hard at his passion and now as part of the Miami Dolphins is very inspiring to me. One thing that I would also like to point out when he mentions Brock and Sock, that is Brock Heward. And a little tidbit or a little bit of knowledge against me, I actually played football against him, the Heward's. Are from the Puyallup area, which is down south of where I was at the time, which was Kent, Kent Meridian. Go Royals and we played a game and Brock Heward was there. And it was super interesting playing against a six foot, I think it was six foot two, 230 pounds. And I was five foot seven, 230 pounds. I was a defensive lineman, but I was just a solid, I was just packed of muscle. And I think I got to hit him once but their line was really tight in formation and it was hard cuz their their pretty much strategy was to throw the ball throw the ball throw the ball we were just in the in our high school there wasn't much passing it was mostly a running league anyway that's just a little tidbit mentioning Brock and Sock but it's just fun watching somebody succeed in life you know push for it and do a good job when you do a good job and push your passion behind what you want Magic can happen, and it's so awesome that magic happened for Travis Wingfield. This season has started. I mean, this is in October. Uh, we recorded this, of course, before we knew there was going to be a season. It was super fun watching his interviews with the draft picks and Christian Wilkin, not Christian Wilkin, uh, like Tua Tonga, Noah Mbenagane, Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt. I watched all those and just. Watching him do this job has been awesome. And yeah, so this was pretty much a treat for me. Hopefully it was a treat for you. Listening to listening to this inspiring story of somebody going for it and making it into his dream. And so if you want to check him out, go to miamidolphins.com and where he has interviews, he has a podcast on there, Drive Time with Travis Wingfield and follow him on Twitter. He's easy to find because He's a big shot in Miami. Well, there you have it, folks. That is my 88th episode of the Joyous Expansion podcast. Eight is my favorite number. So, eight, eight is a great number, and this is a podcast that I very much enjoyed. So, if you want more about me, you can find me at joyousexpansion.com, pod.joyousexpansion.com if you want to listen to more of my podcast. Also, you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube instagram at joys expansion or on facebook at increase your joy because my seo game sucks like subscribe review anything you can do share this podcast to help grow it i would appreciate you forever anyways i appreciate you forever and love you forever because you got this far so once again i am Britt pre your champion of authentic joy catalyst of transformation for the church of awesome and joyous expansion life coach wishing you once again to be love to be joy to be awesome now play that jingle JoyousExpansion.com joyousexpansion.com Come and say hello to Fred Toe Free He is an inspirational life coach Good for you and good for me He turned my life from grey to blue I'm sure he'll do the same for you Get in touch and you'll see Your life will change dramatically joyousexpansion.com joyousexpansion.com
1: Yeah